Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science. Guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. Welcome to another really interesting episode of Honest Money. We're, we're talking uh, about something that's very close to a lot of our hearts in South Africa, which is which is property and maybe more specifically around uh, around buying a property and how we do that. Uh, and and although I've done that in my life, I, I'm I'm surely not a person that's got a huge amount of experience in it. So so I needed to to bring in some some heavyweight uh, uh, expertise to help me with this. And I'm so thrilled to 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 have Frugal Local with us on the show again. Frugal, thanks so much for joining. Hi, Warren. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so so um, a little bit of little bit of background, I guess, for for our listeners. I mean, I'm. I'm someone that doesn't advocate uh, a lot of uh, physical property as as investments. Uh, um, I, I, I do believe we should all own our homes if we're going to stay in them for longish periods of time. And, and for me, I'm not putting words in your mouth, Frugal, but it's it's mine. But uh, but but around eight years or longer, I, I haven't ever done a somewhere where owning a property. Um, well, let me say renting a property for eight years or longer makes sense. It always makes sense to me to own it for, for uh, that, that kind of time frame or longer. And, and my role model always is going to be the other Warren, the real Warren, uh, Warren Buffett, who's lived in his house for 50 years or something by now. Um, I, I know you've got different views, and that's the lovely thing about the world of money is that we're not in the space of, uh, of, of having to do everything one particular way, and there isn't only one answer. So, so I know uh, you, you've got a much stronger view in, in property than me, uh, which is great. Great to have you on the show, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate you sharing your insights uh, with us. Awesome, yeah, thank you so much. I think uh, um, look, I think that ideally, if you and I think the eight year mark is I think fairly accurate as well, especially if it's your primary residence. Um, I think that there's the there's a big um, culture in South Africa of saying you know I want to own the home I live in, but I mean I was actually renting out my properties. Uh, for a very long time and I was actually renting because I could rent for cheaper than I could buy um, and I would literally just have tenants in there in my other properties that were willing to pay the large amounts and once I actually reached that point where it was actually cheaper for me to live in one of my properties I actually uh, moved into one of my my in my properties actually so I know it's a bit of mixing pleasure and business there uh, but but I do think that you know we shouldn't be too hasty to just go and look oh my goodness you know here's a property let's buy it Okay, so so let's kick off. I think that's a nice a nice start. So, so you know, a, a, a typical journey for all of us is we, uh, we we get to the point where we decide it's time to go from being a renter to a buyer. Uh, and and you just said you know it's not ideal just to you know kind of uh, walk into the first property and and uh, you know make them an offer. So so how do we go about that? What's the right way to to start a process like this? So, um, Warren, I think you might know as well that, you know, you wouldn't really, if you had an investment, let's say you've got a million rand that you've got to invest, you wouldn't just randomly go and say like, oh, okay, I'm going to buy the stock. You don't do that. You do a lot of research. You think about things, you, um, you know, you go and research the area, the, um, you know, what the company do, the financial statements, uh, you read what the news are saying. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into that before you actually start buying. Uh, you know, even actually go and look for properties. So I, I think it's very important that people know that it's not just I go and I go buy property. For me, the first step is actually checking out that your finances are stable and that your finances are okay. So if you're able to buy cash, well done on you. Um, it, it doesn't happen often. Um, but most of the people are going to need a bond. 
And if you're going to need a bond, you're going to have to make sure that your credit score is good, that you are up to date with all of your uh, debt repayments, that you do have some deposits saved and all of that. But I think the most important thing is just making sure that your finances are okay. You've got a bit saved and you're not uh, living to, you know, on the edge of your salary. Because uh, if you do, then obviously, and you're going to try and make an offer, and you're not going to get a bond, you're not going to be able to pay all the costs and all of that. And, and, and I mean, I think that, uh, you know, that homework and that research is key. You know, it's, it's, it's especially, I think, if, you, if you're making a commitment to, to uh, any asset, you know, and, and, a, and a property in particular where, where it's going to be a long, you know, many years uh, uh, holding and you've got all the costs of buying it, you, the last thing you want to do is, is pay all those costs of getting in and then two years later realize you've made a horrible mistake because the area is dying around you or, you know, something's gone wrong, uh, you know, whatever it is. So, so I think doing the homework is, is really key. I agree with, I agree with you 100%. Um, I'm not convinced that we need to do the homework to say that we all need to become property trend experts and, and demographic experts about where cities are moving and all of that. But, but you can do a little bit of homework around uh, what are the kind of transport uh, nodes around, you know, how easy is it to get to and from uh, where you stay? Because, you know, tr- transport's important. Um, if you're close to, to good schools, that's going to be a huge advantage. You know, that's always, a, I think, a driver of of uh, uh, property prices. Uh, you know, are, are there, is there de- sort of decent shopping? I know most of us can shop online, but still uh, we, we all like to get into the into the malls and 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 easy access to to highways and the like all of those things are factors i'm not saying look for the very perfect property that, that doesn't exist but 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 surely uh you know some of those are are important factors and the more of those kinds of boxes you can tick the better uh, but but then to your point frugal um i, I mean making sure that you've got the money uh, I, I mean it's such a it sounds like such a basic thing to say, such a simple thing to say, but but it's a step that I think a lot of people get wrong because they don't think about the fact that they've got to pay insurance, that you know whether it's uh, you know on on their goods or on the whole building, uh, you know whether it's um, you know levies that they're going to pay for the body corporate if they're staying in an apartment. Uh, you know their bond, uh, their own bond repayment costs, but uh, but but they still got to keep saving and they still got to keep ac- accumulating money. And I think it's um, you know uh, I mean it's not so boring. You know you got to do a budget, but gee, this is one time you really need to do a budget. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I normally tell people a story like this, you know. So when you buy a car, you know you're like, oh my goodness, I'm buying this amazing car, but what happens when the tires go? You know, you're going to need to take that car in for a service. What happens if it's a major service or a Campbell service? Uh, you're also going to need, like you've mentioned, you need insurance. You also need to put in petrol in your car. Now, buying a property is similar to that. Yes, you're buying the property, but what about the pool? The pool needs maintenance. If you've got grass, you're going to need to keep that cut. So you're going to need either garden services or a, a lawnmower or things like that. You also need to make sure that the property is maintained. So it's going to need a paint job. It, like a, uh, you know, you're probably going to need homeowners cover. Um, many of the, uh, you know, when you get a bond, the um, if it's not in sectional title, you're going to need property insurance. Um, you're going to need that in sectional title. Generally, it is included in the levies. Um, but, you know, there's all of these things, all of these costs. So a, a rule of thumb, I think, you know, for people that want to buy their first property is to take a year or two and literally put that amount away that it's going to take to actually, you know, that they would be actually repaying on all those things. So, for example, if they know that their bond is, uh, you know, 10,000 Rand, it's going to be 2,000 Rand about for insurance, for argument's sake, 
you know, and this much for this, put that money away every month for two years. It gets you into the habit of actually paying that money. Don't just go and randomly buy it because if you now have two years, you've got the habit formed already. And now after two years, you have a deposit or well, some money for the bond and transfer costs. So um, that's what I recommend. Start early and create the habit already. So when that point comes and you're like buying, that it's not going to be a shocker in your budget. And and I think uh, you know maybe one extra thing which which certainly caught me out the first time uh, I, I bought a property and and like like everyone it was you know it was tight when when I when I needed to start that exercise of did I have enough money etc and the thing that really caught me out was sort of four months in the we it was an apartment and the body corporate said uh, oh gee uh, we haven't really uh, set aside money for the last ten years for for painting and and waterproofing and the like. And so, you know, your levies are normally 2000, but we've decided, you know, at an AGM, which I wasn't part of because it was, you know, 12 months before, whatever, eight months before, we're now implementing a special levy and it's now going from 2000 to 4000. And I think that that's something, you know, uh, that that you need to be aware of if you're buying a property where where it is sectional title and and just the jargon around that means, you know, you you, you might think it's all good and well because someone's responsible for the painting of the whole place outside and maintaining the roof and all that. Uh, but, but actually, you are a part owner of of all of that, and that also means you're partly responsible. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of body corporates are not well managed in South Africa. There are lots of people who think you know paying levies are is a kind of an optional thing, and you know if you're having a tough month, you can just postpone your levy payment, which is totally wrong. But uh, but but you need to know that uh, if the body corporate's not in a healthy position, and a lot of the tenants aren't paying their levies, then buying into that m- might be a, a, a huge disaster because they're not going to have the money to maintain the place. You know, when you want to sell one day. People are going to be driving in looking at this place that looks absolutely awful on the outside, despite the fact that you might be a brilliant uh, owner inside and have done everything you need inside. You can't paint the place outside if it's a huge block of, of apartments. So so for me, that was one you know real painful lesson early, early in my property career was uh, make sure that the body corporate is healthy if you're buying apartments, which I guess is going to be a lot of us. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, I think it's just, I'm going to make a comment on this. And I think this is a very good tip to the listeners. Um, so when I buy property in a se- in sectional title, there's a couple of things that I look for, um, especially like most of the property. Number one, I look how the place looks on the outside. If the place is falling apart, and I'm talking about the gardens aren't kept, uh, the place, the paint is peeling off, if the lifts aren't working, you know, whatever, they, like things like that, then I know there's problems in the finances. Uh, if they don't have people looking after the gardens, there's issues with the money in that complex. And then I'm very, very careful not to buy there. Then I, I wouldn't buy there. And I've seen it over and over again. Um, you know, I didn't learn the hard way. I had a mentor that actually taught me this. I think the second thing is, is that as soon as you've got the money and you, you know, you know that you've financially started, you've checked your credit check, uh, your credit score, you've got your deposit and all of that. Um, once you've got a place and you want to sign the papers, I want to make an offer on it. Add a clause that says that you want to see the financial statements of the block, whether it's a homeowners association or whether it's a sectional title scheme, you can say, give me all of your financial statements over the last year, two years, three years, or whatever the case might be, and give me seven days to check through it. And then I can decide in that seven days, I can still cancel it because I want to make sure that I'm actually buying into something that's healthy. Gee, that's a, actually a fantastic point, and and uh, and and also don't feel pressurized. You know, if the agent uh, says to you, "Well, you're not going to get this deal if you put in that that seven day clause," or you know, if they say to you, "Well, this, you know, this is a desperate seller. This is the deal of a lifetime." Uh, 
there are many deals of a lifetime in the property market. You know, patience is always going to be more valuable than, uh, you know, than, than, than kind of high emotion pressure selling. So, so I think just, you know, um, w- w- one of my tips would also be, you know, t- take someone with who, who's not involved in the whole conversation, someone you trust who, you know, who's kind of just level headed, a uh, little bit financially savvy and, and just get them to be there as kind of your, you know, it's almost like your running buddy, you know, your exercise buddy. It's your, you know, your, your thinking buddy, someone that just kind of holds it to account to say, hang on, um, maybe you're not uh, thinking this through properly or just, you know, take a second, you know, take, take a moment. Let's, let's give it a day. Let's think about it. And then, then let's make the call. Absolutely. So um, my wife, um, as you might know, uh, Mrs. Frugal, she's an interior architect. So she works with property and all of the interiors and the things every day. So when she walks into a property with me, she knows she's sort of, I know the rental market. I know working with tenants, um, you know, I know a little bit about that, but she walks into the property and she says, listen, this is a lot of money that we're going to have to spend to actually fix up this place. She knows. So my, as my best friend is in construction, I sometimes invite him as long, along as well and say, please come and have a look because we miss things. And, and as you've mentioned, somebody telling you this is the deal of a lifetime, um, I, I want to tell you this following line. And, and this is this is part of my life. This is who I am very much. It's a frugal thing. It says, I am a shopper, but I'm not a buyer. I only buy when it's worth it for me and when it suits my uh, needs and what I'm looking for. So a lot of people say, listen, I'm a buyer. I'm going to buy a property. Don't do that. Don't do that. You go and look at all the properties. And when you find the property that suits your budget, your needs, uh, what you're looking for and everything, then you start negotiating on the price and you know and making sure on that. Don't just go and say I'm in, I'm in the market for a property and then go buy a property. Don't, don't do that. It's it's not wise. Yeah, it's actually a, that's a lovely line. I like that. I'm, I'm, I might uh, I'm, I might steal that every now and then, but I promise to give you credit. Uh, I think. Um, I, I, I can't think of anybody that's ever said, uh, gee, I wish I hadn't done so much research or homework on, on an investment before I bought it, you know, irrespective of what the investment is. So, uh, I mean, you know, d- doing, doing your homework, being prepared uh, and understanding as much as you possibly can is so empowering. It's the, it's, the, it's the one advantage you've got over everybody else is most people are impulsive. Most people just want to, you know, get the thing done as fast as possible and they, they prize convenience over effort. And so, you know, if you put in the effort, if you understand what you're doing as much as you possibly can, uh, that gives you a massive advantage. And, and I think, uh, you know, it, and that, that applies to property as well as to, to, to any other in, in investment out there. So, so do your homework. And um, Frugal, I, I mean, I think it's, I wanted to kind of just touch on uh, a, a little bit around the things that are, that, that are always going to kind of surprise people. So one of them will be, um, fortunately or unfortunately in the property world, we have to involve lawyers. Uh, and so I just want to talk a little about that. How, how do lawyers get involved? Who pays them? What are they going to cost us? I think in short, a small fortune. <laughs> um, you know, so it, it's one of those things, you know, um, I think, you know, in, in, a, in a, when we talk about stocks and bonds, uh, you know, or a financial advisor, there's fees and everybody wants their cut. And I think if you've got a good deal, you're more than willing to, you know, let people take their fee. Uh, in the same with the property industry. So once you've got an offer to purchase that's signed, you're going to need to show that you can afford the property or that you're going to get money for it, which is either a bond or cash. And then it needs to go to two different attorneys. So the first attorney is the transfer attorney. The transfer attorney is somebody that the seller or the seller's agent generally will appoint. And that is somebody that's going to handle the transfer from that person to you. 
Um, the other one is the bond attorney. If you've got a bond, you're going to need a bond attorney as well. So it's a very complicated calculation, actually, with regards to, to how this is worked out. I generally tend to say, uh, you know, from my experience, roughly budget between 10 and 20%. Um, I've not seen it. I've seen people below 10. I've seen people at 20%, especially because the municipality, there's fees for municipality fees that they need to, that you need to pay. Oftentimes you need to pay three months levies in advance. Uh, so there's a lot of fees like that. And the, and that you need to pay over to the attorney and then the attorney fees as well. So something just to take note of is transfer duties that is payable to SOLS because the government loves it when you buy property, expensive property. I believe at the moment it's over 1 million rand. Then you need to pay uh, transfer duties as well, which is working on a sliding scale, a base rate and a sliding scale. Uh, there's lots of calculators on the internet that'll give you a base of that. I don't believe that you should take that as perfect. I think you need to add at least about, I would say five to 10,000 rand on top of those fees. Um, as I've just seen that a lot of those calculators will give you the, the base rate as such, but there's oftentimes other hidden fees that they don't tell you about. So, so your, let's just uh, break that down slightly. So that 10 to 20% that you're talking about is that that's not just for the lawyers. That's saying uh, if you're going to spend a million rand on a property uh, budget somewhere around 100 to 200,000 rand extra, which is then going to cover all of these costs collectively. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I've seen for a 400,000 rand property, about 40,000 rand, 40, 45,000. For a million rand property, I've seen anywhere between 60 and 120,000 rand. That's, that's what I've seen. Um, I have seen less. I have seen a lot less. But depending on the area and um, the attorneys that you use. Oh, by the way, please ask your attorney for, for a discount. If you don't ask, you don't get. Um, I have actually asked them and I have received massive discounts, like 50% plus on their fees uh, because I asked. That, that's a good tip, Frugal. Um, and this, I mean, I, I guess partly also because you're a property baron, you know, so they, they need to keep you happy because they're going to get many more deals from you. What, what about the bond attorney? Who finds that? Is that is that me as the buyer or who, who decides who the bond attorney is? So you as the buyer needs to pay the transfer attorney as well as the bond attorney. So basically, because you're, you're buying that property, you need to pay all of the fees. And that's generally how it works. I've seen negotiations where you're saying, um, you know, that the seller does you know, uh, spend a part of it. But again, it just eats into some of their tax and it becomes really complicated. So generally what I've seen in the deals is that obviously if I'm getting the bond, then I need to pay for the bond attorneys. And also just remember there's a fee. It's generally between, the, I think the cheapest I've seen is about 4,700 rand, which is called a bond initiation fee, which they add onto your bond. Sometimes it can be more. Um, I've had a shocker of a quote from one of the banks the other day. Um, so it can be a lot more, but they that is one fee. And then obviously the bond attorney that you need to fund. So that's what I'm saying. If you rather have a little bit more disposable cash available for in case those fees go out of hand and sometimes they you know they are a little bit insane and i have been trying a couple of times on some of them um so it's best then to say listen i've got a bit of extra cash and if you do have that extra cash and you do see that um you know you you know you didn't pay all of that money for your bond and your transfer attorneys take that money and put it in your bond you know, you're going to save an interest and you're going to pay for your property faster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's such a power point. You know, it, rather rather have a bit of extra cash uh, that, that you're dropping into the bond and it starts helping you kind of for the future emergencies that you can just prepare for. Uh, and, and you know, and maybe also, we, which we haven't really touched on, is, in, you know, when you do all your calculations, try and start with, with a bit of an extra deposit into that bond, you know, so that you, you're just starting on the front foot. You know, you're not, not absolutely at, at kind of the limit all the time. You know, if, if you can put a little bit of a deposit down, 
I, I guess it's going to, it's obvious, but let me say it. I mean, the bigger the deposit, the better. Um, but, uh, you, you know, even if, you know, even if you don't, uh, you know, let's say it's a million rand property and they, and they give you a million rand bond. If the bank does that, I still, I don't know if they still do, uh, you, you know, and you can put down two or 300,000 rand, um, you know, that's an extra payment that you, that you're keeping in that bond. So even though the bond is worth a million rand, uh, you're not paying interest on a million rand anymore. You're paying interest on 700,000 as an example. And all of that works in your favor in terms of less interest, shorter time period to get the bond uh, out of your life. Uh, and, and that should be a focus, you know, w- w- once you're up and running. You know, I, I can't, in my head, I never get it right to say, you know, if, if prime is at nine and a half percent that I that I take, you know, the full 20 years to pay off um, interest at nine and a half percent for a property that's not generating an income. You know, if it's my own, uh, I want to get that bond out of my life as fast as possible. I don't want the bank to, to kind of be in control of me. This is it. This is it. Remember, you're going to pay about two and a half times the property value over 20 years. Uh, 2.6, depending on the interest and all of that, around about 2.6%, I think is is a good measure. And you don't want to give the the bank any more money than what they do. So um, for this reason, I just want to give one or two tips, if I may, with regards to negotiation for a bond. Remember, uh, a lot of people, what they'll they'll go, they'll be like, you know, please, you know, please, can I have a bond? But you can negotiate back with a bond. So one of the, back to the bank, the one of the ways that you can do that is through a deposit you can get a lower interest rate if you put down a deposit. So what I tend to do is I say, hi, I'd like to get a full loan. And then if the, if they don't give me a full loan, I do have the money to put towards it. If I do get a full loan, I say, can we negotiate back with this amount if I put this amount down as a deposit? And generally what the bank will do is they'll say, listen, we'll better your interest rates. So, and remember, lower interest rates for you means you pay less interest to the bank, which means more money in your as disposable income. And then with that money, you can just that extra bit of money, just put that into your bond every month. And like you say, because that prime, your primary residence doesn't actually generate you money, you know, rather just get it out, you know, paid off as soon as you can. Yeah, I must say, um, um, uh, my, my wife and I, um, uh, you know, she's, she's the spreadsheet queen. Uh, when we got that bond out of our lives, um, I think it took us six years to pay our bond. Uh, and and that was a real celebration because, you know, the next day thereafter that we knew that that money that we'd be putting into the bond, we could use to add to our savings. Uh, we, we definitely used a bit of that that bond repayment money to, to pay for holidays. And it's such an amazing feeling when, when you, you know, you've got a paid off property that's yours. Uh, and and you've got the the, the cash flow to, to kind of control your life, you know. And I think that's an important thing in this whole thing is it's it's great to buy a property. I think I do, you know. As I, as we said at the start, owning a home that you're going to live in for a long period of time makes all the sense in the world to me. Uh, having a lot of debt for a long period of time doesn't. So so you know, I do do the calculations, do the homework, and then. You know, agree if you're if you're in a in, in a partnership, you know, in a marriage, whatever it is, uh, that that you are going to get this uh, in, in a, as a, as a goal to kind of get yourselves debt free um, as fast as possible without, um, you know, being crazy. I'm not saying you know don't live life, but but make this one of your big priorities. Absolutely, and I, I think one story that I can tell is that um, I rented. We rented me and my wife. We rented um, from landlords for the last well for. Um, the first about six years of our marriage, seven years of our marriage. And it taught us a lot about how the rental market worked. Uh, but the one thing that's amazing now is that I was telling my wife now, you know, it's our, um, can we call it an anniversary of where we're staying now? We're staying in our property and we're not getting a rental increase. You know, it's so amazing that we're saying, I don't have to now pay more money every month to a landlord. I mean, there's a warm and fuzzy feeling with that. 
Um, but I just want to mention something else here now as well, because people might say, oh my goodness, you know, it's like, so I'm just going to go and buy a property. I think what we need to realize is that we need to buy what we need. We don't need to buy more than what we need. And a lot of times we'll say, uh, you know, I want a five bedroom home. I want a pool. I want this. I want this. I want that. And eventually what happens is that we we basically get a white elephant. You know, we've got, uh, we're two people, uh, we're three now at the moment, uh, you know, but let's say, you know, a couple and then they've got this five bedroom home and then they've got literally storage for more stuff, you know, and they literally just get more and more and more stuff that they actually don't need. And they don't even go into those rooms, but it's just storage space for more stuff that they actually don't. I mean, they don't even enter those rooms in five years. So rather when you buy a property, just buy what you need. If you know that you're looking for a family, okay, that's great. You know, you know, maybe an extra bedroom, but don't just go and buy five bedrooms. If you're thinking of maybe just having one kid, uh, buy what you need and take that money and spend it on things that's important, whether that's experiences, whether it's investments, uh, whether it's uh, traveling to Spain for a walk, you know, the Camino or something, do spend the money on things that's valuable to you and just buy what you need. Don't go and overspend on things that's not that, that important. I think that's a, um, a absolutely powerful point and, and I think it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great concluding point uh, frugal we we uh, burn through our time as always when you and I are on these uh, uh, we've got so much to talk about um, and and so um, I just want to tell our listeners you know look out for frugal local on on social media as well he's I mean he provides fantastic content uh, um, as I said you know we, we we don't necessarily do and grow and invest our money in exactly the same way and that's the beauty about the world, the world of money is uh, there are many ways to do this, and I think you know the more you can educate yourself about all the different ways, the right ways, not not the not the dodgy ones, uh, the, the the better. So, so frugal local, thanks so much for for joining and for being so willing to share. Thank you so much for having me. It was really really great experience as always. Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management, informed by science, guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. 